Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. Well, you get me tonight. I asked Jensen if he was ready to preach, and he told me, not tonight. So you have me, because Jensen wasn't ready. Next time. No, not next time. Now he's giving me the stink eye. Goodness. We have so many young preachers in this place. It blesses my heart. It really does. Amen, amen. Well, we've been talking about faith. And tonight, it was a special night because I know that the Lord has something He wants to impart to our kids. Amen? Now, I'm a kid. Are you a kid? So you can receive two. Ronnie's a kid. He and I have already talked about this. Ronnie's ready because he's a kid. He's going to receive. It's good. Amen? Amen. Now, we are going to do a brief five to ten, I know myself, ten-minute review to catch all of the youth up on what we've been talking about, okay? We've been talking about faith. We stripped it all the way back to the very beginning when we said, why are you a Christian? Because sometimes we have to go all the way back to our foundation and find spots that are weak in order to have a more secure house, right? We want to build our foundation of our Christianity on sound doctrine and on the rock, just like Jesus taught us in the New Testament. Why are you a Christian? If you're a Christian just because you want to get blessings from God, then you're not a Christian for the right reasons. Why are we a Christian? We are Christians to be Christ-like. We came to preach, teach, heal, right, just like Jesus did. We were sent for his people. You are sent to reach God's people. You are sent to reach God. God wants to use you to touch someone's life. Say that with me. God wants to use me to touch someone's life. If you never thought that you would ever be used in that way, you're wrong. You don't have to be a preacher, right? You don't have to be a farmer. Farmers touch people's lives, right? God says he wants to use you to reach out to somebody, and you might have access into somebody's world that no one else does. Okay, now, we talked about faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's our foundation, okay? I also talked about how I got a little annoyed with everybody talking about how they want things to go back to normal, especially when talking to fellow Christians, because what they're basically saying is, I want it to go back to being easy to be a Christian. The last 20 years have been easy to be a Christian, and God's saying, it's time to step your game up. Okay, now, cannot expect faith to work in the world system. We descended, we deseparated. I'm making up words, I'm sorry. It's like camp. See, a camp anointing is what's coming out. We make up words at camp, it's just a whole thing every year. So maybe that's what it is, just a camp anointing. Where's Brandy Conrad when you need her? Because she usually is good with the made up words. (laughs) We separated world system, kingdom system. Remember that, we're going to talk a lot about it tonight. The way God does things, right, versus the way the world says to do things. They are completely separate. And when you take God's system and bring it into this world, the world will look at you like you're crazy. Do good to someone who hates you? I've talked to people that are proud of the grudges they hold. And I'm thinking to myself, you have no idea the cancer you're letting live in your body. The cancer you're letting live in your life by holding on to a grudge. It will literally, physically kill you. And in my heart, I mean, my heart burns for them. So I don't look at them and go, oh, it sucks to be you. I look at them and go, Lord, how do I help this person? I mean, how do I help this person? They are so steeped in this. They have no idea. They are so blind, right? Now, we need to know the kingdom way. Matthew 7, 24, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. We are doers of the Word. We don't just show up. See, youth, you are here for the first time, but the adults, they all heard the Word on faith, and they did something about it. Right, adults? You did something about it. If you didn't, then just look at me and smile. I don't need to know. 
but this is your conviction call. Your seed is starting to die. You need to do something about it. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only, because if you're just a hearer only and not a doer of your word, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself and convincing yourself you're a Christian when you're not. That's what he's saying. You're acting like a Christian and not a Christian. But a young man that's a friend of the boys that came over and was like, I'm so sick and tired of Christians that do all this stuff to make the rest of us look bad. They're not even acting like Christians. I'm like, I am too. They're deceiving themselves, saying to people, oh, I'm a Christian, but they don't act like it. He's right. It's frustrating, right? It's frustrating. Amen. She is the biggest amener. Love it. Love it. Now, we discovered that we have some sandy bricks in our foundation. We start asking, why am I a Christian? Do I even know what a Christian is? Why do I have the job I have? Do you believe that God has sent you to the job that you are at? And if so, when you go to work, are you asking God, what am I supposed to be doing for you while here, while working for my employer? Because remember, your employer is paying you a wage, so you need to do what they've asked you to do. But in the same time, he's also paying you a wage. And he wants you to produce the kingdom wherever you go. If you are in a job that is not producing the kingdom, then you need to go to him and say, A, am I missing it and supposed to be producing the kingdom here? Or B, am I supposed to be in a different job? Did I get it wrong? Now, why are your finances the way they are? Kingdom way says, give and it shall be given unto you. World's way says, hold on to everything. Why are you giving it away? Wait till you have a whole bunch of money, and then you can just be a YouTube star and just give out cash, and people will look at you and be like, oh, what a great person you are. See the world's way versus God's way? It's two completely different things. Now, why is your health the way it is? Are you honoring God and producing the kingdom with your body, with your health, with your strength, with who you are? If not, then what are you producing? So if you're not producing the kingdom, there is no middle. If you're not producing the kingdom, you're producing something else. See, a lot of Christians like to think to themselves, I'm just going to live in the middle. I might not be producing 100% of the kingdom, but I'm not a bad person. When God said, either you're hot or you're cold, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm, acting like you're in the middle, because once again, it's deception. It's deception. It's deceiving yourself. Now, how do we build the right kind of faith? Hebrews 10.32, don't you remember in the days right after the light shined in your heart that you endured a great marathon seizing of hardships? Persecution comes from being a Christian if you're doing it the right way. If you're living for God, you're bringing kingdom principles into this world and the world does not understand it and it generates friction. There's rub because the world's going, wait a minute. Because this world is so steeped in its traditions, it's so deceived that when you bring it... Have you ever had somebody that was so convinced of something that no matter what truth you showed them, they were like, I don't know. We've lived in a whole year of that. Now, we also talked about fear will hold you back. It says in 1 Kings 17, 13, Elijah said, fear not. Fear will keep your faith from working. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Now, living by faith produces endurance. We talked about that. We talked about in Matthew 5 that the world's way and God's way are completely different. God says, go beyond what's expected of you. You go to work and they say, these are the tasks I want. You do those tasks and more and produce the kingdom while you're there, right? God says, love your enemies. The world says, get even. And they call it even in the name of justice. I have to have justice, right? And God says, your name of justice and worldly judgment, which a lot of Christians have fallen into that trap, doesn't preserve the person. He sent you to the person. We can't forget that. We were sent for the people, right? See, and I, I, it's, it's interesting, the, the correlations, but working in healthcare, if you work in healthcare, your whole life and whole world is the people. But how quickly we forget that because we have, our, we have our routines that we have to do. We have our paperwork. Lord have mercy, we have our paperwork that we have to fill out, paperwork for everything in healthcare. Got to document it all. And sometimes we get so busy with the systems that we forget the people. And the church has been guilty of that. I'm not saying living word church. I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ. We get so wrapped up in being a Christian and the systems of Christianity that we forget 
People are why we're here. People. Would you rather be right or bring someone to heaven with you? Now, do good to please God, not please men. He talked about the selfishness. This is, again, Matthew 5, the selfishness that's creeping in. Pray the right way. Fasting being a kingdom lifestyle. Your treasure is not on earth, but stored up in heaven. People are God's treasure. You want to have a wealthy existence for eternity? Or would you rather be rich for a millisecond in the span of eternity? Now, your eye, being your mind, attention, focus, knowing, determines the level of light in your life. What are you giving yourself to? We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. I also talked about worry. Don't worry. Jesus calls those that are worriers people of little faith. Little faith. Don't judge. Ask, seek, knock. Last week, we talked about faith for the, for the now. This week, we're going to talk about faith for your future. Now, if you heard me say tonight, we're going to talk about faith for the future, and God wants to show these kids all these great and mighty things. And if you showed up tonight here, teenager, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to go up there and Pastor Paul's going to lay hands on me and say, does that say if the Lord, you're supposed to go to Dartmouth and stutter underwater basket weaving? That's not what's going to happen tonight. Okay? Right? Can the Lord use me to tell you where to go to college? Sure. God can do what he wants. Is he going to do that tonight? Highly unlikely. And let me explain why. Remember the whole adage, give a man a fish? Tonight, I, I, more than just telling you God has something good for you, I want to introduce you to the source and show you how to go get it for yourself. Because it's more important that you have someone with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because I'm not always going to be there. You could be in a situation in college where the professor's looking at you and he's challenging your faith to a point where your head does not have a response because you're, you're at a point where he has wrapped his words because the world will do that. The world will take words to try to confuse the heck out of you. And you need an instant word in season. And you cannot text Pastor Paul, go, hey, Pastor Paul, okay, I'm in this class. This is what he said. What do I respond? I'm not the Holy Spirit, okay? <laughs> I'm not with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but I want to introduce you to the person who is always in here, who always has the right answer, and let's take it one step further, who won't disrespect the professor, the place of authority, but will show you how to bring out the truth and win the person. There's the key that we really need to get a hold of this year. We have to figure out the way to bring out the truth that preserves the person, not bring out the truth that bashes the person and pushes them further from God because what's the point? What's the point? Okay, faith for the future. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance. What is the substance of your faith? Okay? At Rhema, they taught us that foundations are best to have four corners, right? Four corners in the foundation. The Bible even talked about cornerstones. They're very important. You can have three corners and still build the structure, right? We got TPs out there, three poles. I mean, you can still build a structure out of three, two, and you're going to fall over, one, and you're guaranteed never to stand straight, right? What I'm showing you is you cannot take one scripture and form a belief. Otherwise, I'm going to come to the altar every Sunday and bawl my eyes out because it says in the New Testament, Jesus wept. See what I'm saying? I know it seems a little silly, but a lot of people do that. They're going to take one scripture, warp it out of context to change it to fit what they want instead of realizing what does the kingdom want. So you can't take a scripture which is based on kingdom principles and morph it to fit what you want in the world system. That's not, it's designed to change how you think in the world system, not accommodate what you want to produce in the world system. So that's where a lot of people have gotten off with prosperity. Prosperity is here to produce the kingdom of heaven, not bless your hand in the world system. If you are using, wanting spiritual prosperity to bless you in the world system, you're not, you're not using the right kind of prosperity. That's not the right thinking. Now, faith is the substance. So what is the substance of your faith? The substance of your faith is your belief, your, your inner conviction, right? Faith is the inner assurance of those things that you are hoping for. 
and the, and the firm conviction that they already exist even before you already see them. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. So how do I have an inner conviction or no? How do I know I'm going to heaven? Let's start with the basics, right? How do I know that when, if I leave today and die, I'm going to be standing at the pearly gates? How do, see, this is what's going to happen when you get to college, when the professor hits you between the eyes with all of this stuff. Why do you believe what you believe? Why are you even a Christian? See, so many people out there say they're Christians and they have no foundations for their faith. They look like it on the outside, but their house is built on sand. And when the storm of the professor comes, everything crumbles because they don't know what their foundation is. They never established it in the first place. I challenge you today, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe what you believe? I know I'm saved because of Romans 5.8, John 3.16. See, I have taken a multitude of scriptures to build a foundation for a secure belief in salvation, knowing that I'm going to heaven based on what the Word says, okay? I'm going somewhere with this, and a lot of people already know this. Teenagers, I know you probably already know this, but we're building the house tonight, so stick with me, okay? Now, we find scriptures that we know, right? We don't make them fit who we are. We find scriptures that speaks. It's a living Bible. It shows you what it is, and you're like, okay, I'm going to apply that to my life, okay? So now, why do I believe in salvation? Because of those scriptures. Same thing applies to prosperity, healing, blessings, I mean, everything. Everything, you should have a foundation of beliefs to stand in faith. But see, our foundation needs to be built on kingdom principles. Kingdom principles. Kingdom principles says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. That is not a worldly system of thinking. The world does not think that way. Okay? Now, Hebrews 11.2, for the elders obtained a good report by faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are now seen were not made of things that are visible. So how do you make something that you can see now out of something you couldn't see then? See, what he's telling you here is God spoke a kingdom principle in this world, right? He used kingdom principle, something you can't see. We're not in heaven, right? Kingdom principle. He reached into the spirit world and brought it into the natural world by commanding it to be so, which he taught us the power of our tongue. It's a whole nother sermon. He showed us the pattern to follow to access the unseen and bring it into the scene. So we have to live by faith to reach into the unseen and speak kingdom principles into the scene to build the foundation that God wants us to build to produce the kingdom in this world. Because we are here to produce the kingdom, right? What's the first thing that the, that the United States does when they, you know, send an ambassador over to a different country? They just like, go stay in the Motel 6? No, they usually work out an agreement with the country to where there's actually an embassy, and that embassy becomes U.S. soil. It's like being in America. When you go to that embassy, you are on United States soil, right? When I, have, when I am in this world, I am wherever the foot of my soul shall tread is for the I am on kingdom soil. I'm on kingdom soil right here, okay? Because I'm an ambassador from him. But that also means that my ambassadorship is tied back into I have authority because I'm under authority, right? Whole another message. I don't want to get off. A lot of rabbit trails here. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 4. Faith for the future. Romans 4.16, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all seed, not only those of the law, but those of, of those who are of the faith of Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith, right? He's been called that in the Bible all over. Well, who is the father of us all? Should have just kept reading. Now, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives the life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. There it is again. He's calling something that didn't exist because he's calling it from the kingdom realm into the natural realm. 
He's using kingdom principles in the earth, okay? Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed. How can you be contrary to hope, believe in hope? What he's telling us is, who, contrary to the world's way of doing something, believed in the kingdom's way of doing something to produce the kingdom in this earth. That's what faith is. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not even consider his own body. Here's something I want you to understand. The kingdom does not look to the natural to determine what can be accomplished. Right? God does not look at your natural abilities, your checkbook register, any of that to determine what he wants you to produce for the kingdom. So when I look at some of our younger ones, now I did, I did that on purpose, a little bit joking, but sort of not. Look to the younger ones and be like, you ready to preach tonight, right? And they're like, oh, I'm not really sure. You might think to yourself, God, am I supposed to speak? I couldn't tell you the number of teenagers I've talked to that have been like, I think there's something I'm supposed to share, but I'm not really sure. I'm not that good at talking. I don't know if really God wants to use me. I'm just going to share this with you, and maybe you, can, you, you, maybe you can do something with it. When God's saying, you might not feel like you have the ability on the outside, but I want to use you. Okay? Now, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he did not waver at the promise. He didn't walk away from the kingdom principles, no matter if it agreed or disagreed with the world's principles. But it was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced his belief was formed on a kingdom principle, therefore founded on the rock. Fully convinced that what God had promised, God is able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone, but it was imputed to him, but also for us. And it shall be given or imputed to us who believe in him. He's basically saying this is not just for Abraham. This is for you too. This is for you. That a kingdom principle can work in your life the same if you form that solid belief and you know this is what God said. Okay? Now, first warning. This is something, Lord, it came, it came really strong uh, Tuesday. I was driving down the road and I was praying and I was, I was just asking, talking to God about tonight. And uh, I was asking him, I said, Lord, you know, I, my own kids are in that you know, looking at colleges, they're juniors in high school, and man, we get letters daily. I think Brock's got a stack that has almost spanned his entire dresser of college, you know, people, recruits looking for him, wanting him to go. I mean, this, we're, in that, we're in that phase of life. Constantly they're saying, how do I know? And their heart is right. I want to produce the kingdom. I want to do what God wants me to do. How do I know? How do I know? Okay. This is the first thing that God said. And it wasn't an instruction, it was a warning. Okay, so this is a warning from the Lord. Did I say that enough? You got it? Okay. What are you feeding yourself? And what man are you giving yourself to? See, now, I had this conversation again with the friends that were over at the house, but I said, you are spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Are you spirit first? Who do you feed the most? Do you feed your body the most? Do you feed your intellect the most? Or are you feeding your spirit man the most? Now, most Christians have got it to where their body is somewhat in check. But they're backwards in their soul and in their spirit. They're soul-driven before spirit-driven. They want to understand this. It has to make sense to them. Let me tell you, kingdom principles won't always make sense to your head. Does it make sense to your head to show up to a impenetrable wall around a city, march it around seven times, march it around seven times and blow a trumpet? Does that make sense to anyone? Does it make sense to be the small guy on the block and go up against this 19-foot-tall dude that has killed thousands and thousands of people with a slingshot? What do you think the Old, the Old Testament is telling us? Kingdom principles aren't necessarily going to make sense in the world. Right? 
What about the New Testament prophets? What about the current day prophets? What about Brother Hagin picking up a dead person and throwing them up against the wall? Does that make sense? No, I work at a hospital. I can tell you right now, you don't pick up dead people and throw them against the wall. There's no miraculous thing that happens unless God has told you to. Right? I watched him punch someone in the stomach and cancer fall out. Don't do that unless God's telling you to. But when he leads you through something that doesn't make sense to your head, are you willing to obey down here? Now, what are your beliefs? Does Jesus save? That's an easy one. Oh, yeah, he does. We're in church. Does Jesus heal? Lose about half the Christians out there, sometimes more. Well, I don't know if it's his will. The Bible shows us it's his will. That's an easy one to combat. I can tell you it's his will because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it says right here, it's his will. I can show you it's his will. Does he heal? Does he want you healed? Yes. You need to know why he wants you healed. You need to get into 1 Peter and find out what the blood of Christ does for you. You need to have a root, a firm foundation of healing in your life. Because when the world falls apart and you don't have a doctor to go to, right? Does Jesus lead you? Can you hear the voice of God? See, that's what a lot of people came asking that question tonight. Well, if it's the same one that can save you and the same one that can heal you, don't you think he can lead you? So if you're not sure in him leading you, what are you missing? Your foundation, your belief, right? Your substance. That's what we're going to go through. Can I defend my beliefs? What am I giving ear to? Now, here's the warning and caution tonight, guys. We live in a very loud world, very loud world. Very loud world to where they are aiming at the younger and younger and younger and younger every year. Television towards kids is a trillion-dollar industry. Why do you think Disney World has been so successful? Why do you think Disney Channel has so many television shows? Why do you think YouTube has exploded? And then they created a YouTube Kids. The world is after your children. They're after your children. Why? You ever ask that? I like to ask why a lot. Why? Well, probably for the same reason. For the first few years of their life, they believe that Santa Claus is real and coming down the chimney. Because God created us to form beliefs. He created us to have faith. Have you heard of faith like a child? That's how he made us. He made us to be faith creatures. And it's easy when you're young. And then the world says, oh, there's Santa Claus. Oh, never mind. Right? And then the world says, oh, I love it. Pastor touched it on Sunday. There's Iron Man flying around, right? And Hulk, who turns green because of this toxic waste. Ah, look at all this. And he's doing miraculous things. Never mind, it's not real. And then what happens? Jesus wants to heal you. Oh, that sounds really good. It's probably not real. They're destroying the faith of our kids right in front of our very eyes. Disney Channel, Nickelodeon. How many of you have beliefs, right, formed off of television shows? How many days of summer vacation are there? 104 days. Why do I know that? Because Phineas and Ferb taught me that and sang it to me over and over. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Pat. You were there with me. You were there with me. School comes around just in summer, Right? Annual problem is trying to find a way to fill it. Never mind. Phineas and Ferb, right? But if I, what if I say, you know, God is bigger? Okay, so VeggieTales has formed a belief in your life. See, there's not necessarily all bad. You know, the VeggieTales has tried to take Christian principles and teach our kids something 
good, but it's the same thing. What are we putting in us? What are we teaching our kids? What are we watching? What are we letting our kids watch? YouTube. Do you think they call it a YouTube influencer by accident? This is an actual coined phrase. I am a YouTube influencer. I had a, a feed show up that I was reading through of, of YouTube influencers that got too big for their britches where they would call up a place and be like, you should give me a free room and, and a comped meal and all of this stuff because I'm going to come in with a social media following and post about all your things. And most of them are like, I don't even know you. You have like 1,000 people following you on Facebook. Why, why, you're not even an influencer, right? But it's a whole thing, social media influencers. What do you think they're doing? They're influencing your kids, right? I've had one of my own children. I wish I was like Mr. Big and give away thousands of dollars to people. I had to go learn who Mr. <laughs> Mr. I say that right, Mr. Big? No. What? The Mr. Beast. I was close. It was a B. Just decided to give away a bunch of money. Why? in the sound of philanthropy, but what is it doing? Is it drawing people to Christ? Is it telling people that Jesus wants to save them? Then what's the point? Now, another big influence in your life is the people you choose to surround yourself with, which is why anybody that was in youth group when I was there knows that uh, if I say, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You will become who you hang around. Why do you think the disciples became who they were? Because they were in the presence of Jesus, right? Now, in the same sense where I've stood on stage and I've done, I've told Pastor this too, stood on stage and led worship and I did something and I'm like, I am my father. Like I, because I, my dad led worship for many years. In the same sense where you can look at my red and blue notes and realize I've been influenced. My notes weren't always red and blue. That's a Pastor Doug thing. But I've been influenced by who I've chosen to associate with and hang around. Who are you hanging around? Now, God is calling us to reach out to people. There are people that you will hang around that you want to make sure they don't influence you, that you're influencing them. But you're truly close friends, right? That's why it was the 12 disciples. You're truly close people. Who are you pouring into and who's pouring into you? Now, parents, here's your warning. Same as the warning with the kids. This is the warning for the parents. Ever heard that phrase, mom guilt? Right? We've had this whole conversation, my wife and I, about mom guilt. Feeling like you just have to do everything and there's this whole... There is a real thing. There is a real thing of parent guilt. This world wants to guilt you into being worldly and doing the world's way of doing stuff instead of being kingdom-minded. Right? It starts early. With your kids coming up going, all my friends have cell phones. You're eight. All your friends have cell phones? I got my first cell phone at 22. When I was a teenager, my dad had a bag phone in the car that threatened me with an inch of my life if I even used it because it was like 60 cents a minute or something. You're eight. All your friends have cell phones? Really? Well, there's that pressure. Can I get AirPods? Why? I've read the reviews. They're constantly breaking. I know it's an Apple product, but, I mean, they break all the time, and you gotta, you got to exchange them out, and they I don't even know. Do they stay in your head? Maybe they do, but why? Because they've been influenced. It's social standing, right? Don't allow the parent guilt from this world to pull you off of your beliefs and foundations formed in the kingdom, or you will end up causing conflict in your own home. You will. They will use that guilt. They use guilt to sell you stuff. They use guilt to influence you, right? You should feel guilty. It happens in politics all the time. Look at the poor children living in caves or cages down south. Okay, so there are children in cages, but I don't know the whole story. I have not been down there. I don't want kids in cages, right? But if I, if I tell you a television commercial and start singing, in the arms of an angel, and you see this little starving puppy dog, and you're like, oh, send money, right? They're using guilt. Don't let the world's guilt pull you away from the kingdom promises. Now, we have an entire 
multi-generation group of Christians calling themselves Christians that are convinced that entertainment is something they need. It has to be a part of their life. They can't survive without it. We have an entire multi, it's more than one generation. This entertain me. I deserve a break. That needs to get out. That, that's rooted in selfishness. And selfishness keeps us from responsibility, which leads us to higher things in the spirit. Selfishness will be the number one thing that keeps you from producing the kingdom. Because selfishness refuses to allow you to take responsibility, and you have to assume responsibility to be able to produce the spirit. Now, how do I know God's kingdom? How do I hear his voice? That's what I really want to hit for you teenagers tonight, is how do I build the foundation to know that God will speak to me and I will know his voice? Because you need to hear from him on what to do with your life, okay? We know God is a spirit, right? And he made us in his image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. Three-part being, three-part being. We're made just like him, okay? God is a spirit. He will lead you through your spirit, not through your head, not through how you feel, right? How many times have you come to church and you're like, oh, I'm just feeling it? That's fine, but are you getting something down here? Okay, it's not wrong to feel church. You are a three-part being. It's how he made you. But what's going on down here? That's more important than how you feel. There are times I have walked out with more things in my spirit and felt nothing in my flesh than the opposite. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we're going next. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians 2, 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, world system, right, but in the power of God, kingdom system. However, we speak wisdom. How many of you are looking for wisdom on what to do for the future? You want to know. You want to have wisdom. You want to have spiritual wisdom. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, not world's wisdom, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Why is it a mystery? Because it's in the realm of the unseen currently, and we need to have faith to bring it into the scene. The hidden wisdom of God, which was ordained before the ages, that's kingdom, right, for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they would have saw kingdom for what kingdom was, they would have never crucified him because they were not thinking correctly. But, verses, verse 9, as it is written, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of the man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God, like it says in Jeremiah, has great thoughts towards you, thoughts of prosperity, hope. He has a future plan for your life, producing the kingdom full of blessing, walking in perfect healing, and being able to touch people's lives. That's what God has for you. It says it in Jeremiah. We need to tap into it we need to, by faith, access the unseen, get the revelation and begin to see what it is, right? Now, verse 10, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Spirit to spirit is how wisdom and revelation comes from the kingdom. For what the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him. What he's saying is God is a spirit, and if you want kingdom principles, he's going to speak from his Holy Spirit into your spirit, man, and that's how you're going to get it because your head isn't necessarily going to understand it all, right? Your head is not going to tell you to punch someone with cancer, but if your spirit man connected to his spirit man being led to do that, you'll see the miraculous happen because you're reaching into the kingdom and bringing it into the now. Right? Back when Tiff and I were in, uh, in Tulare, we were in Visalia, California, used to ride my motorcycle to work every day. Some of you kids have heard this story. 
And if you know my wife, she's not a morning person. She's trying. She's getting better. She's getting up. She's working out. I'm real proud of her. She's been doing this 75 hard twice a day workout, drinking, I don't know, 15 gallons of water, it seems like. She carries that massive water jug around with her and I'm amazed by that because I don't drink that much water. So for, for me, you might be like, oh, that's nothing for me. That's, it's a lot. I need to drink more water. But anyway, not necessarily a morning person, right? I get up 5 o'clock in the morning to go to my job on my motorcycle. As I'm walking out the door, the Lord wakes her up, says, pray for your husband. Now, in the natural, she's thinking he's going to work. He's done this every other time. What big deal is this? Okay, Father, thank you for my husband. Back to sleep. See, there are things that God will prompt you to do that don't make sense up here. But instead, she got out of bed and she started praying. She said, I wasn't sure what to pray, so I just thank God for you. Started praying in the Spirit, right? At the exact same time, I'm on my motorcycle on the way to work, come across a pickup truck and a trailer. The trailer comes completely detached. I felt the wind right behind my motorcycle. All I'm wearing is a beanie hat. 20 rows of corn out into the cornfield before it stopped. The guy hadn't hooked his trailer. This one was in closed trailers like we use at summer camp. And I'm convinced had God, had she not listened to God and got up and been obedient right then and right there, things would have been completely different. Completely different. We had only been married months. Could have been a widow before any kids were even born. There are times when God will prompt you on the inside something that doesn't necessarily make sense and you need to respond immediately. And you need to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. How many have had that? Call somebody. Text somebody. Always start. It's, that, that's an easy one. Call someone to give them a word of encouragement. You call them up and they're like, oh, man, and they just start bawling. And you're like, okay. Well, all right, Lord, you knew what you're doing there. <laughs> Let's give some encouragement, right? How many times has the Lord has been like, call somebody, and you're like, I don't even know what to say. I'm not even that close with them, right? And you're like, okay, well. How are we doing? God told me to call you. Blah, everything just comes out. And then God uses you. All of a sudden on the inside rises up exactly what you need to say, the encouragement straight from the Word of God that changes their world. Now, for what man knows the things except the spirit of a man? Same thing happened here that happened last week. For those that didn't know, I have a digital Bible, and I put notes in my Bible, and there's some Pastor Doug quotes in there, and I love when I run across Pastor Doug quotes that line up exactly with what I'm teaching. I have two of them. There was two of them in this scripture. He said, you don't know you without listening on the inside, and you are not who you think you are. You're not who you think you are. You are a deep spiritual person waiting to happen. I like that one. That's a good one, Pastor. You are a deep spiritual person waiting. Say, I am a deep spiritual person waiting to happen and already starting to happening. <laughs> Let's put some action to it, right? I'm getting down this road. You're here on a Wednesday night, so that spiritual person's already awake and starting to happening. Ning, ning. Happening, is that a plural? It's a verb. We're going with it tonight. It's working. It's working. You're happening. Now, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. There is one of your cornerstones. He said, through his, from His Spirit to your Spirit, you're going to know the things of God. There is, the, there is the beginning of forming a belief on hearing from heaven. And if you're a teenager, you should be highlighting this, writing it down, building a foundation, right? Now, Romans 8, 14, you know his voice. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And if you're like, Lord, I'm your son, I know it, then I'm going to be led by your Spirit. John 10, 1, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door... Now, the door is representing the kingdom way of doing things, but climbs up some other way, comes, tries to do it the world's way. The same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls out to his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Are you his sheep? Then you know his voice. Say, I know his voice. 
I know his voice. I am a spiritual person waiting to happen, and I know his voice, right? And the Spirit has freely given wisdom to me from his Spirit to my Spirit. What are we doing? We're building the foundation. We're building the foundation of an inner assurance on the inside that God wants to give you wisdom. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. Now, yes, they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. The voice of the stranger will get louder the more you listen to the world. So again, the warning, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? Same morning for the teenagers and parents. The guilt is louder the more you listen to the world. The more you turn out, tune out the world and stick with kingdom principles, that guilt will go away because the peace of God is what will come in. Verse 7, then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear him. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. What's that a picture of? He will go into the unseen and bring it into the scene and find pasture. What is pasture? Provision, safety, direction, health, fellowship. All of those things are a picture of pasture. Living Word Church is a pasture. It's a pasture. It's a pasture that the pastors that are here are constantly mending fences right? A lot of that's spiritual. Putting up protection through prayer, through wisdom, putting that hedge of protection around the church, showing you this is a pasture, a place of safety. What's in the pasture? Food, abundance, fellowship. Sheep need other sheep. Fellowship's important. There's a reason we're supposed to be in the body of Christ. Now, the thief does not come to steal, kill, and, or the thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Why do you think that scripture immediately follows going in and out? Because abundant life is producing the kingdom. That's where abundant life comes from. He didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the world's way of doing things. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly because he is the good shepherd, and he gives his life for the sheep. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What he's saying is, don't think the world's way will work in the kingdom or the kingdom's, right? Don't think doing the world's way will produce the kingdom. God is not mocked. What a man sows, that will he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, you spend a bunch of time in the world system, of the flesh you will reap corruption. You will reap the, the guilt, the world's mess. But if you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit you will reap life everlasting. Where is your attention? You want to be able to hear the voice of God? It's time to cut out other voices in your life. You want to have wisdom that comes from heaven? Quit relying on wisdom that came from earth. Am I telling you God says don't go to college? No. Am I telling you, says God, God says you need to go to college? No. I know, that's great, isn't it? I'm telling you, producing the kingdom and storing up treasures in heaven is the number one thing we're supposed to be doing in this world. That's what he's called us to do. So does college produce the kingdom in your life? How many people have you met that go to college and they get a lot of head smart, but it prevents them from ever hearing in the spirit because they get so stuck up here? God might send you to college. If he does, you better be ready. The same morning with Savannah, God sent Savannah in the military. Lord, have mercy to be in the military in this day and age. You better be ready. It's not going to be easy. You better have your foundation built on the rock because the winds and waves are going to come. If you're going to go to college, you better be ready. If you want to know why, go ask Miss Tammy. She'll got stories. Because they want to convince you the world's way is the only way, and you're a moron if you think there's another way. That's what they, and they will brainwash you and browbeat you and guilt you into it. That's how I know it's not God because God doesn't lead by browbeating, by guilt, and by brainwashing. He leads by peace. So where are you sowing? Are you sowing to the flesh? 
or are you sowing to the Spirit? Are you not hearing the voice of God? Then maybe you've sown too much to the flesh, and it's time to sow more to the Spirit. Okay? Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. I've heard this Scripture misused so many times. Do you know what this Scripture is basically saying to us? Get out of the world system and spend your time sowing to the Spirit. And don't get weary in sowing to the Spirit, because you're going to reap from harvest from kingdom principles if you don't give up. It's that important to sow to the Spirit. Don't lose heart. Don't be weary in sowing to the Spirit. Don't be weary in being spirit first. Don't let the world beat you down to think that you're gone crazy, because they will try. Now, God leads by peace. God will lead you by peace. And yes, He can lead you by peace and urgency at the same time. He can lead you by peace and urgency. Keith Moore told this story when I, back when I was in college, as far as I remember it was in college. But he was talking about, he was praying one day, and the Lord just said, I want you to wire $30,000 to this pastor and do it before noon. Now, do it. And so he got up, sent the money, and he did it. Pastor called him and said, it was the last day. We were going to lose our building. It's wonderful. It saved the day. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And Keith Moore's like, woo, celebrating. It's awesome. A few days later, Keith Moore was praying and asking the Lord, now, Lord, you know me. Why didn't you tell me a week ago? I would have, I'd have sent the money. And he says, well, you weren't the first person that was supposed to. Someone else. I was giving them to the last minute to be obedient, and they didn't do it. And so I used you. See, now God didn't push. He didn't rush. He led by peace and said, do it. Do it now. And he was like, okay. See, God can lead you by peace instantly. Don't think that God leading you by peace means it's going to take a long period of time. Sometimes it might. Sometimes it's the peace to sit back and wait. Sit back and wait. A lot of times the sitting back and waiting is because we're still reordering things in our life because we're a little too soul-led and we need to be a little more spirit-led before we take the step out into this. And we're sitting back going, why, why, God, why? Why are you making me wait? Let's just get this done. I want to jump out and do this. And he goes, nope, you're still a little too much in the head. We need to be still a little more in the spirit. Let's just wait. You're going to get yourself messed up. God will lead you by peace. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind. It will protect your heart and mind because your mind wants to jump out there and do it. And your peace is protecting you saying, hey, hold on, let's be spirit first. So how do we get that peace? Says it once again, finally, brother, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So to the spirit. That's what he's telling you. You want to be led by peace? So to the spirit. You want to know what college to go to? So to the spirit. Right? And God will speak to you. He will open your eyes. Why do you think every year at summer camp we tell every kid to come and leave their cell phones at home, leave magazines at home? The only book you want to bring is the Bible. Why do we tell you? Because we're getting rid of common influencers, common voices in your world to be able to separate you enough to where you can hear his voice. We try to quiet the world as much as possible so that God's voice is so loud you can't miss it. That's what we do at camp every year. That's what we're doing at camp this year because we're having camp this year. Already got the dates booked. Where are you sowing to? Where are you sowing? Are you sowing to the spirit or are you sowing to the flesh and of this world? Where are you sowing? So tonight, we're going to enter into worship in just a few minutes. And this is not a night for Pastor Paul to get up here and just lay hands on everybody and prophesy to everybody. This is a night for us to come to the altar and shut everything else off. That ability is here every Wednesday, every Sunday. That, that, that happens all the time to where you can come to the altar. The reason that it's in the front is because all the distractions, you can just put them behind you and not pay attention to them. Because sometimes the distractions try to creep into the room. 
If you're sitting at church on a Sunday morning going, man, I don't know if I'm hearing everything Pastor Doug's saying, then find a seat closer to the front. Get rid of all the distractions. Don't sit in the back and expect God to give you all the things that he would if you were sitting in the front and paying a little more attention, right? Because if you're sitting right here and pastor's talking to you, you're not likely to be looking around and checking the time and being on Facebook, and right? Because he's staring at you. And sometimes we have to put our body somewhere where it choose, it's forced to submit. There's something about being closer to the front. Now, couple other things I wanted to share with you before we, before we worship. Spiritual leadership in the house is here as a covering. Right? Right? How many times have my kids come to me and been like, okay, Dad, now I've never been in this situation when it comes to my job before. I'm thinking about leaving one job and going to the next job. I'm like, you're going to give two weeks notice. You're going to be respectful on your way out. You're going to thank them for letting you work. You're, you're teaching them these things, Right? And then they go through this process and they learn from it. But they're coming sometimes with a picture in mind. They're coming saying, okay, look, I think I've heard people talking about giving a notice, although I'm ready to leave, you know. And they come to you with a, with a picture of what's going on, what they've already interpreted themselves. And you're coming and saying, yeah, that's right, that's right. And this, this, and this, and this. A lot of times that's what happens. God wants to speak to you. And then when you have time with Pastor Doug, what he says is going to confirm and add to what God's already told you. But how much better is it to go, I got some of it. What does that do on the inside when you hear something that came this way be confirmed out of the mouth of your spiritual leader? It builds faith. That's what it does, going, I can hear his voice. I do know what I'm doing, right? How many have been that way in a job where you're like, I'm out here doing something, nobody gave me any instruction on how to do this, and we're just figuring out on our own, and the boss shows up and is like, that's exactly how it went and done. You're like, yes, right? It's the same way. God wants to speak to you on the inside and confirm things down here, and there will be times where he will use your spiritual leader to bring out things into your life. I'm not dismissing that. But what pastor's here for, what we are here for, Pastor Josh and myself, is for you to come up and say, you know, I was praying and God was showing me this. And we're like, yes, that is awesome. And that is good. We're here to help, help you confirm what God is teaching, to show you, right? Every time I stand up here and minister, whether it be laying on of hands or teaching a sermon or doing any of this afterwards, what most people don't see, sometimes you might see, is I'm going to Pastor Doug going, was that right? Because he's going, yeah, he's the spiritual head of this house, Living Word Church. I'm in submission to the head, and I'm going to sit down, and he's going to say, yes, this was good. And then, What does that do? It's, it builds faith in me to know that I can have the confidence to stand up here and deliver the word under submission for what this house needs. God wants to do that through the leadership that's here. But see, if all you're doing is sitting back going, well, I'm just going to wait for Pastor Doug to come up and have a word, and then when he lays hands on me and tells me what I'm supposed to do, that's what I'm going to do. That's lazy. That's lazy, right? If you're thinking, well, I'm just going to eat whatever I want and do whatever I want and believe God that I become skinny. But how many Christians are that way? I don't want to get in the Word myself. I don't want to spend time sowing to the Spirit. I just want to come to church and reap from what other people have sown. You will get a little bit because it's in plenty in this house because a lot of people are sowing to the Spirit. This house sows to the Spirit. And you'll reap some of it just by the slosh over of being here. But God says, don't settle for what's splashed over. The river of life is pouring from the throne. I have so much more for you than just sloppy seconds. I have so much more for you. So much more for you. He longs to have a relationship with you. He longs to spend time with you. See, he says, I have desire. Desire is a deep, passionate word. I know the desires I have for you. I have desires for my children. The desires I have for my children is for them to go further than I've ever gone, to do more than I've ever done, to sow more into the spirit than I ever have, to produce more of the kingdom than I could do. That's what every parent wants of their kids is to do more, to go further, and to not have the same hang-ups. Learn from my mistakes, right? So I come to church and we listen to the minister speak as we're learning not to make some of the mistakes that others have made. That's why we have the Old Testament. That's why we search the scriptures. He has desires for you.
He wants to be with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to show you things to come. He wants to lay out the plan for your life. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Blessings, prosperity. It's a good thing. I didn't say it was an easy thing. That's the world. The world wants everything easy. God says, I have good things for you. They're going to take something. Are you ready to press in? Are you ready to press in? Let's press in. Amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that Ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of his word.